My name's Andy Parnham and thanks very much for having me today. It's been an extraordinary year, hasn't it, 2020? I wonder how it's been for you. Whichever way you look at it, the world changed, didn't it, in um, March and has never been the same since and perhaps since and, and perhaps won't be either. Multiple events, uh, loss and grief affecting all of us in lots of different ways. And the thing is that we thought that we were in control up till then and in our culture and our country, our civilization even, uh, we're used to having control, control physically, materially and in other ways. But somehow this pandemic uh, has stretched us beyond then. We thought we were in control and then a little bit like uh, a library that's got all the books neatly filed away suddenly is thrown into the air all the books and they land uh, kind of randomly. We don't quite know what to do with that. Or to put it another way, it's as if things have been stripped away from us like health if you like, certainly health and wealth and pleasure domains but also on a relational basis as well and and as those things have been kind of stripped away so <laughs> what is underneath has been uncovered a little both in terms of our individual lives but also uh, corporately as well. Um, I want to talk a little bit about our, our, our responses to it uh, rather than just emphasise the challenges but perhaps that's the place to start. I wonder what the stressors have been. I wonder what the the points of stress and challenge have been for you. I think in all the different things, uh, the forced confinement, the, the being stuck in a situation that you don't necessarily enjoy, the economic pressures, the uncertain future, um, and many other things. Perhaps there's two that I'll just mention in particular. On one hand, in terms of our contact with other people, um, for some of us there's been not enough contact. We perhaps live on our own and it's been perhaps one of the big challenges has been engaging with and um, facing up to the difficulties of being separated from those we know and love. The research shows very clearly that touch is really important for human beings. And when we're not able to touch, even if we're not isolating, uh, that actually has had and does have a very profound impact on us. So not enough contact on the one hand. For some, of course, it's been too much contact in the sense that particularly during the lockdown, um, we were in family groups or household groups and uh, if you've got children <laughs> at home off school, that has been, in a sense, almost too much, at least for some of us. So that's the kind of relational side, but also, if you and the internal, but also what about the external? If that was in here, what about out there? And for many, of course, their employment has been affected, uh, but not just work, also the ability to meet together, to socialise together. That's been a real challenge for many people, the public engagement, if you like, in some ways. 
And that in turn has worked, I think, for many of us internally as well. It's not just the out there, it's the in here as well. The, the fear, the very real concern, the anxiety, of course, and for some people, uh, grief and loss. And so I just want to mention that, not to emphasise that overly, but to say this, that what happens under stress, to say nothing of trauma, whether that's an individual personal thing or a corporate thing, it's a little bit, how can I put it, like a <laughs> a tube of toothpaste. When you squeeze it under pressure, what comes out is what is inside, clearly. And uh, the therapists tell us that when we're under pressure, there are three particular styles or responses which very quickly go like this. On the one hand, for some of us, we simply become more busy. We stay busy. We tense, perhaps. These are anxious states. But we we seek to get, get going and do something. On the other hand, perhaps the opposite approach is is what they call weak and depleted. In, in this sense, we feel tired, we feel depressed, pessimistic, we, we feel overwhelmed and defeated. That's a different response. And the third response is what they call frightened and guarded, meaning just hyper-vigilant, obsessed with the, always looking at the, the news and so on to try and find out what's happening, difficulty sleeping perhaps. But all these responses, of course, are uh, in some senses natural responses to pressure and for stress. So I, I, I suppose the question I'd like to ask is, I wonder, I wonder what your response has been. Do you relate to any of those, perhaps? What have you noticed? Because, as I say, when the, when the pressure comes on, what within begin, is what lies within begins to show itself. And sometimes that's not an easy thing. It's quite something we don't particularly want to see happen. We'll talk in a moment about perhaps some responses to that. <coughs> but I wonder if uh, this perhaps is something that you might want to reflect upon. What have you noticed in yourself over the last six or seven months? In yourself, not so much in other people but in yourself. I wonder what your patterns are. That can be quite a, a hard thing to do because we don't want to engage with that. And yet I would encourage you to stay with your feelings on that in what some would call a non-judgmental way, meaning to just stay with it, not to make judgments about it, but just to be, become aware Again, some of the therapists, they talk about self-compassion, which is simply um, staying <laughs> with your feelings, being willing to explore them. Now that, again, is not always an easy thing, but it's, it can be the starting place um, to engage with these things. So what to do, uh, if that's a, a brief sketch of uh, what some of the challenges are, uh, what might we do in response? Well, I've got four suggestions, four areas, if you like, to focus on. One is you, me, self. Secondly, 
life circumstances which come at us, even when we don't ask them to, then home or family or the household, the community that you live with, and then, of course, um, your relationship with God. So let me start with the first one. And there's a scripture here that um, I'd like to mention. In fact, each, each of them, there's a scripture attached to it, something from the Bible. Here's what Paul says in Galatians chapter 6. In the early part of the chapter, he says, Bear one another's burdens, fulfill the law of Christ. And he thinks he's something. He, he, if he isn't, then he deceives himself. But then he goes on to say, let each test his own work, work, not simply focusing on somebody else. Then, for each will have to bear his own load. So he started off, bear one another's burdens. And then, a couple of verses later, he says, and now bear your own load. Well, what does that mean? Is that not a contradiction? Well, when you discover that the word for burden or load is very, very different in each case. Perhaps it helps us to understand on the one hand, he says, the burden that he encourages us to bear for each other, each other's burdens, is the word, a word that means a very heavy, extremely heavy burden, and reasonably so, which is simply too much for one person to bear. And so he says, well, help each other, of course. On the other hand, in verse 5, he says, bear his own load. The load there is, is likened to, is the word for, a soldier's pack on his back uh, and so standard cargo, which is reasonable for a person to carry. And indeed, uh, they should carry it. <laughs> it's their pack and it's appropriate to them. So I wonder if that point comes over. Um, on the one hand, there are things that perhaps too are, are too heavy for us. But on the other hand, there is that sense in which we need to take responsibility for our own selves. Well, what does that mean? A man called Murray Bowen was a, a psychiatrist in America some years ago, and he had a very dysfunctional family. And so he decided to go and see them individually and sit down with them, say, look, I am who I am, and I'm <laughs> going to be, he used the word self-differentiate, I'm going to be uh, unapologetic simply for being who I am, but I do want to stay connected. And he, he developed a whole new system of therapy, family therapy. But what he identified was the distinction between, on the one hand, <laughs> being yourself, called that self-differentiation and on the other hand the vital importance of staying connected and he's saying you can only really stay connected when you yourself have a sense of of health um, and again when he says differentiation here's here's some examples of how that works to be clear about who you are to define yourself and yet to stay in touch with others, to take responsibility for yourself and yet be responsive to others, to maintain your integrity without intruding on others and so on. And so I suppose one of the challenges for us when we're under this kind of stress and pressure is to discover and to help each other into ways of taking responsibility for those issues for which we should be responsible. And then to reach out to others. 
Now that raises lots of questions. I understand I'm just highlighting a few things and perhaps we can come back to that if we've got some time a bit later. So if that's something about me, myself, what about life and the circumstances that come our way? Well, <clears throat> there's different ways that in which we can respond to things that happen to us. On the one hand, we can feel kind of like victims and on one love we can be on another hand there's uh, a sense in which we can respond to it well one way in which I think the Bible helps us to understand uh, our responses how they can be is in 1 Thessalonians 5 where Paul writes to the Christians in Thessalonica and he says this rejoice always Sounds like a big ask, doesn't it? Rejoice, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, by which I think he means have an attitude of constant openness to God. And then he says, give thanks in all circumstances. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances. So what does that mean? Being thankful, appreciating what is good, even in the context of some very tough things. It's interesting, the research on uh, gratitude, and there's a lot of it that goes on. Um, a man called Robert Emmons, he's written a book called Thanks! Exclamation mark. Really helpful. He's the foremost um, researcher on these things. He says this, that gratitude, having an attitude of appreciation for the good things and grat expressing gratitude for them actually feeds into our bodies, our physical health, our minds, our emotions, and even spiritually as well. So that those who consistently have, uh, an, even though they're realistic about situations, they're not falsely optimistic, but they, they choose to appreciate that which is good, it, it begins to feed back. He goes on to say, try to be grateful and ungrateful all at the same time. He says, I, I bet you can't do it. And we live in a culture where in the media and so on, there is a lot of expression of what's bad, how things are going very badly. And it's quite hard sometimes to maintain an attitude of appreciation. One little exercise they talk about is writing uh, so speaking out at the end of the day to whoever you're with, um, those three things in that day that you're grateful for. Simple things, basic things like the traffic lights were green or the, the boss smiled at me or whatever it might be, the sun was out. Uh, and those who have done that, they've found that actually, once again, it impacts. I think it's the way we're made. Again, it's not saying that um, we're not real about life but there's a choice involved. So that's something about life. What about each other? What about our relationships? What about our home situations? Well, here's what James says in his letter, James chapter one, he says, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man or humans does not produce the righteousness of God. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. They say that 
when they investigate these things that we tend to listen to another person in conversation just for a few seconds, waiting <laughs> to jump in with what we want to say. And uh, often we're, we're simply not listening. We're often not very good at listening. And that includes in the church as well. Often we're, we're great talkers or um, with attitudes, but we're not very good at active, leave alone, empathic listening. One little exercise that's good, well, very instructive to do, is to have three people where one person talks about something real that they're concerned about. The others are listening, and they do it in several ways. One, uh, the two other people are not listening at all for that half minute when they speak. Secondly, they then do it for another half minute when they're kind of partially listening. And then finally, they actively, if you like, empathically listen. They're fully engaged. And you ask the person how it was, and they'll tell you. And you ask the other two how it was, they'll tell you their response. Perhaps you could try it and let me know <laughs> how it goes. Listening's so important. And as we listen to ourselves, to each other, and obviously listening to God is key. Finally, if there's me, if there's life, if there's together, uh, what about our relationship with God? Once again, uh, a passage from Scripture, Genesis 41, <coughs> describes the famine in Egypt, Egypt when um, Joseph was there. And uh, he had a dream, if you remember. He, it says this, there will come seven years of great plenty throughout the whole land. And then seven years of famine. The plenty will be forgotten. The plenty will be unknown. So let the Pharaoh uh, select a wise and discerning man. Of course, that ends up being Joseph himself, to gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up grain. So that food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine. And that's what happens. So Joseph's in charge. He stores up the grain in great abundance. And then the famine comes, it spreads across the land, and Joseph then opens all the storehouses and all the earth came to Egypt to buy grain. I think it's a very powerful uh, passage and you could take a lot from it, but um, at this, in this uh, context, it, it feels to me the application here is that while, as it were, the sun is shining, make hay while the sun shines, while things are essentially uh, okay, there's not the stress and the strain that sometimes we have. That is a really, really crucial time, like Joseph, to build up the stores, the resources, physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritual. You say, well, it's a bit late for that. Well, yes, but maybe there's a few lessons to learn. Well, obviously, this uh, period will give way to another period, perhaps next year, we don't know. Uh, but the purpose is, the, the, the principle is, that where we can grow and nurture resources, well, just like Joseph, those are the resources. What kind of resources? Well, here's Paul in Philippians 4. He says this, I have learned in whatever situation to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in every, any and every circumstance that I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. That's an extraordinary statement, isn't it? But clearly he learned 
to do that in the ways that we've talked about um, concerning himself, concerning the relationship with God, relationship with other people as well. And so as we finish, I, I wonder what you think about all that. Uh, I wonder if I can invite you to kind of reflect both on your own experiences, your own patterns, perhaps your own, what we would say today, your own issues. Um, but secondly, the circumstances, the relationships, and of course, what you might call the secret place, the secret place, perhaps that no one else knows about, but you and God. And that is the place, I think, that in times of pressure like this, uh, there's the incentive and the opportunity to find a place secret. Now, often, and I noticed this in lockdown, because we weren't able <laughs> to go out and do lots of things, there's a park behind, behind our house, and I used to walk there or run there or whatever, just be there. And because other things have been taken away, it was an opportunity simply to be and to find that place with myself and with God. So perhaps I can pray and ask God to help us all in these ways. Thank you, Father, for your presence with us, even in times of pressure that we've been experiencing. Thank you that you are with us. I am with you. And we pray that you will strengthen us and encourage us and enable us to respond internally and externally to you, to ourselves and to others. So walk with us, we pray, in this next stage. In Jesus' name. Amen.